you have your Bibles, please turn in them to Romans chapter 10. Our passage tonight is Romans chapter 10, verses 5 through 13. If you don't have your own Bible, please feel free to use the Bible in the pew rack in front of you, the black pew Bible. You can find our passage for tonight on page 946. 946, Romans chapter 10, verses 5 through 13, as we will continue our uh, series through the book of Romans. Hear now the word of our Lord. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is, the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. As far the reading of God's word, would you please pray with me? For God in heaven, I ask that you would apply your living word to our hearts. And would you show us the way of faith? Uh, even, Lord, if we belong to you, we confess how it can be hard to believe that. But, Lord, I pray by your spirit that you would fill our hearts and minds the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Would you direct direct our hearts and strengthen our faith tonight? I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I know that um, some of you out here are big history buffs, but simply being someone who likes history, uh, there are different areas of history that you might like more than others. And some of you uh, may be really interested in 20th century history. Being one who was born in the 1900s, yeah, 1900s, it seems hard to believe that was a century ago. But if you look back to the 20th century and consider who are the most important people from the past 100 years... Some of you may come across the name of Linus Pauling. Many of you may be wondering, well, who is Linus Pauling? Well, he's a man who won two Nobel Prizes. In 1954, he won the Nobel Prize in chemistry. And then later in 1962, he won the Nobel Prize, uh, the Nobel Peace Prize. In chemistry, I, I read what it was about and didn't understand it, but I was impressed The Peace Prize, he was an activist fighting against the nuclear arms race between the East and the West. And he is someone who many credit as helping de-escalate potential nuclear war in the 20th century. 
Think about this man. Uh, he is amazing if you look at his record. He is the only person in history to have two unshared Nobel Prizes in his name. And one of only two people ever to have Nobel Prizes in two different categories. So even if you've never heard of him, other than what I've just told you, you can know simply by these awards that he was a remarkable man. One of the most influential men and important men of the 20th century. We look at his record and standing before the world. Linus Pauling was one of those moral and important men of his own generation. Wildly successful chemist who helped bring about peace in a world that was on the cusp of launching nuclear war. But standing before God, he is a man who has been rejected and cast out. Despite all of his accomplishments and all the good that he has done, perhaps even saving the world from great catastrophe, he was a staunch atheist who outwardly rejected Jesus Christ. And that means he rejected the only offer that God has made to the world of sinners for salvation and eternal life. You may hear that and you may look at this man and hear about all that he has done and you say, but look at what he did. Look at all the good that he has done for this world. Who knows, I may not have even been here if it weren't for him and his work. And yet we're going to see tonight that even the greatest works, the greatest good that any of us can do in this world apart from Christ, still leads us short of God. So I have a question for us tonight. What is the way that will lead us to God? What is the way of righteousness that God will receive? And that's what this passage tonight that we're looking at is about. And Paul, the apostle, lays out for us Two ways of righteousness. And they are contrasted for us to consider. And we're going to look at that. We're going to look first at the contrast between these two ways of righteousness. And then secondly, we'll consider the way of righteousness that God receives. So first, let's contrast the two ways of righteousness. If you look in your Bibles in verses 5 through 8, you see that there are two ways of righteousness laid out before us. First, we have righteousness by the law. And then secondly, we have righteousness based on faith. I'm going to take these two in turn. Let's consider the righteousness that is based on the law. What is that? What does that mean? Well, essentially what that means, it means that I believe that I can bring myself into right standing with God, the Creator of heaven and earth, by the way that I live, by the good things that I do, that I have done enough that God will look at me and say, well done, you are welcome into my kingdom. Look at verse 5. It says this, For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. Here the Apostle Paul is 
is reaching back to the book of Leviticus, the, the, the Old Testament book of laws, Leviticus chapter 18. And basically what is being taught there and is being brought up here is that if you do the commandments of the Lord, you will live. If you do the things that God commands, then you will be saved. You certainly get a sense that Paul is addressing a people with, with Jewish backgrounds and understanding. And, and they've been reading and hearing all that Paul has been talking about from chapter 1 of Romans to this point And they might be resistant. They hear about justification by faith over and over again. But there's still some part of them that says, no, but Moses says. The Old Testament law says, teaches us. God's Word tells us that I have to live up to God's standard. That's what God will receive. You see that in the books of Moses. That if you uphold the law, then you will be justified. If you do the commandments of God, you will live. And, and Paul's not going to say that this is wrong. He actually knows that this is true. He's not disagreeing with this. He says, you know, this is a way of righteousness that is presented to you. But before you start thinking about, well, I'm going to go that way. There's a catch. And, and we'll see this unpacked a bit here and moving forward in, in Romans 10, but I think Paul puts it well in Galatians 3. He says this, he says, For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. In other words... If this is your route to righteousness, that I'm going to do everything that God commands and therefore live, then I must be very careful not to break any of God's laws, one of them, at any point. Even if just one of God's commandments is broken, then you are cursed because you have not done all the things that are written in the law. I was thinking about this, and I think about my own children, and I think about, I must be a gracious guy because I let my kids get by with a lot of things before I really discipline them. And sometimes we think, Good God, couldn't you be a little bit like that? You know, give me a second chance here. But that's not the way that God has given here. If we want to be right with God, we must be righteous, we must be holy. The moment we sin, then all of who we are is infected with that sin. And we lose any righteousness that we might have. If you want to prove that you are righteous before God, that you are worthy of being in the presence of the Holy God, this is what you have to do. You must uphold God's law Not generally, but every point. At every point. You must uphold God's law at every point. And my question for you is this. Have you been able to do that? Have you tried this? How's it going for you so far? You know, there are many in the church who do try. 
You may think, well, this is talking about those pagans out there. They don't know. They don't know God. So, of course, they're going to break the law. But I know. I know. I've taught Bible studies. I've been on important committees in this church. I've never caused one bit of trouble in the life of the church. Now, those are certainly good things, and I commend them to you. But you can see how you start talking about yourself that way and start thinking about yourself that way. And then in the end, you begin to hold up your works as what justifies you. Of course, I'm a good Christian. I don't miss Sunday night worship. But is that what justifies you? You see, if this is the route that you try to take, that I'm going to justify myself before God by upholding the works of God's law, you need to know tonight that in the end, all you will find is sorrow, grief, and tragedy. But praise be to God, there's another way. There's another way. We have here in our verses another way, the righteousness The way of righteousness based upon faith. Look with me at verses 6 through 8. Verses 6 through 8. But the righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that is, the word of faith. That we proclaim. So here again we see Paul reaching back into the in, into Moses again. And now instead of being in Leviticus, he's in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 30, and he's showing us that righteousness by faith has always been the only hope for sinners in this world. To be righteous by faith is our only hope, and it has always been our only hope. You're familiar with Moses' farewell speech in Deuteronomy chapter 30. There at the end of this book, Moses is kind of giving his farewell discourse or speech to the people of Israel. And he's, he's warning them against going, uh, giving in to unbelief. And he's teaching them and he's telling them that, that God had drawn near to his people in the covenant of grace. He says, we have a God of grace and he's drawn near to us. And He has given you everything that you need for life and for godliness. And Moses is saying that the laws that God has given them, they aren't out of reach. They aren't out of reach. God's laws, God's ways are not up in heaven, so you have to somehow climb a ladder up into heaven so that you can retrieve them and know what is God's will. And it's not in the depths of the sea or in the ocean so that you have to go down to the ocean floor in order to find what we are to obey and to know righteousness. No, Moses is saying back in Deuteronomy that that God's word is near to you. That it is so close that it is in your mouth and it is in your heart. 
And Paul says here, back in, in Romans chapter 10 and verse 8, he says that is the word of faith that we proclaim. That is what is in your mouth and in your heart. The word of faith that we proclaim. And so Paul is saying to all those who have that resistance in them, it can't be by grace alone. I have to do something. I feel the need to prove myself to God. Paul is teaching us that what God holds out before you is not out of reach. That the way of salvation is not out of reach. That in fact God has brought it near to you. He has put it in your mouth and in your heart. To have right standing before God. To be saved. To be washed clean of your sin. And to be welcomed into the arms of God as one who is right before Him. That is not beyond you. It's not hidden away in heaven somehow so far away from you out of reach. No, because Christ has come from heaven and brought it down to you. You don't have to go into the depths in order to find it. Because Christ Himself has died and He entered into the depths and was raised from the depths to secure righteousness for you. And so that righteousness that you don't have because you have failed at upholding God's law at every point, that righteousness that you must have in order to draw near to God, is a righteousness that God actually brings near to you in Jesus Christ. And it is a righteousness that is gained by faith, by trusting and resting and believing upon Christ and Him alone. God provides for us what we cannot provide for ourselves. And we get it by receiving and resting on Christ alone. The one who is able to uphold God's law at every point, secures and provides what we need for salvation. You see, the way of faith recognizes the fundamental reality, the honest about yourself, that sin has infected my heart. And I cannot do enough. No matter how much I try, no matter how much the world applauds my accomplishments, I cannot do enough to stand before God without judgment. Cannot do enough to stand before God and be in a right relationship with Him. And so Paul tells us there are two ways of righteousness. And you may not recognize it in the moment, but you're going down one of those two ways. You're going down one or the other. Which path are you taking? Which route is yours? The way of righteousness that you've already failed to achieve? Or are you going to look to Christ in faith and be brought near to God? The way of faith that God receives. Which way will you go? Well, my hope and my exhortation for you 
is to recognize you cannot and will not ever do enough to be right before God. But Jesus has come. Believe upon him. Trust in him. He has done the work. Come under the umbrella of Christ. Be united to him. And know the way of righteousness that is based upon faith. In these last four verses, I want us to consider this righteousness by faith. Spend a little time about what it is. These verses teach us a particular three things about this righteousness that God gives to us through His Son, Jesus Christ. And the first is that in Jesus Christ, righteousness is brought near. Secondly, we see that this righteousness is received by faith. And then thirdly, we'll see that this righteousness is available to everyone. So first, God's righteousness is brought near. I think this is one of the hard things to understand, a big big hump to get over. I think all of these things are big humps to get over for us. But the idea that God's righteousness is not impossible. You may remember the first day that you realized, I am a sinner. Or not me, you. That you are a sinner. Probably realized that about me the first moment you met me. But when you realize you are a sinner, and what that means, oh no. There is a gap between me and God, and I don't know how to cross it. I cannot do this. But here in these verses, we see that God's righteousness is not impossible, but it is accessible because Jesus Christ brings it near to us. Again, we've already seen this, but look at verse 8. It tells us, the word is near you. God has done everything in Jesus Christ that you are unable to do, and He does it for you. So you don't have to climb to heaven. You don't have to go down to the depths to find it. You don't have to go on some uh, great journey of self-discovery. You open the pages of your Bible, see Christ and believe in Him because He is presented to you. Secondly, we see that God's righteousness is received by faith. So God's righteousness is brought near. Secondly, God's righteousness is received by faith. Look at verses 9 and 10. Verses 9 and 10. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. You see, what what we are seeing here, what is being taught to us, is that it is with your heart that you believe. It is with your heart that you believe. And in that belief, you are justified. That's all. That's all. But the thing is, if you've been justified before God, you are not going to be able to help but confess what has happened. You are not going to be able to help but to confess before the world that Jesus Christ is Lord. Some of you who have been Christians for a long time, I encourage you to go back to the 
early days of your conversion, do you remember when you were converted? It does us good sometimes to go back to think and to remember what the Lord has done in your life. To remember when God's saving work has been applied to me. When my heart of stone was taken out of me and I was given a new heart that beats with life within me. And you know I've been sprinkled clean from my sin that once covered me. He said, I have been made a new person. Completely new. The old is gone and the new has come. When that has happened to you, how can you not confess Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Have you come to know that? Do you know that Jesus is Lord? That the one who has been saved by the grace of Christ knows that the world and everything in it is under Jesus' authority. You know, what are we saying? You know, we talk about Jesus is Lord. We, we don't really use that language, you know, outside of church. We don't, you know, live in a feudal society where we have lords and ladies. What does it mean to confess that Jesus is Lord? It means that we are confessing that the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, has come down and He took on flesh. And then He lived a sinless life, perfect in every way. And when He died on the cross, He died an atoning death. And then later He rose from the grave and He ascended into heaven. There's a lot going on there, but there's one thing that you can be sure about when you consider what our Savior has done. He has shown and He has proven that there is no power in heaven or on earth that has mastery over Him. But only those who have been freed from the slavery of sin can see this clearly. God's righteousness comes to us through faith alone. In Christ alone. And so we put our trust and our faith in Him, the one who has done it. And His righteousness is applied to you. Thirdly, we see that God's righteousness is not only accessible by faith, but is available to everyone. Is available to everyone. We see in verses 11 through 13, Paul here is quoting Isaiah 28 and Joel 2. And he says this in verses 11 through 13. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Again, you have to be freed from the slavery of sin to see this. But, but Paul is saying, look guys, it is all over the pages of Scripture. Old Testament, New Testament, everywhere. Salvation is by faith alone and Christ alone. Everyone, Gentile or Jew, anyone who puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ will not be put to shame. And stand before God and you know what you have done. But if you've been covered by the blood of Christ, you'll be standing before God naked and unashamed because you are clothed in the righteousness of the Savior Himself. 
And we see that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's another hard thing to believe, isn't it? Again, you think back of things that maybe you've done that you've never shared with anyone. And maybe you never will. Or you think about where you are from. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Can anything good come from my home? Think about what you've done, who you are, where you stand perhaps in the social ladder of your workplace. God's word tells us everyone, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. It's good news, isn't it? Salvation is not out of reach. Yes, it's impossible. It's an impossible task to try and make it on your own to heaven. By our own good works, our commitments and successes, you'll you'll never get there. But God has come down from heaven. Jesus Christ has come to raise us up with Him into the heavenly places. And by faith, we are, by faith alone in Christ alone, we are united to the Lord who gives us righteousness that God receives. Whoever you are, wherever you are from, whatever you have done, the gospel calls upon you to believe upon Jesus Christ. Believe upon Him in order to be saved. Think of the way of of men like Linus Pauling. Such men are taken up to the very heights of human society, are remembered in the pages of history for, for generations to come. You can do all that He has done and more. And yet come to the day where you stand before God and you will still not have enough to be righteous before God. You're thinking perhaps, you know, I probably am not on pace to win a Nobel Prize anytime soon. Much less two in different fields. Yes, I may have gotten employee of the month at one one time last year. Or maybe you didn't. Maybe you got second place. And you begin to think, I don't want to stand before God at all. I can barely stand before my boss at work. A hard time standing before my husband or my wife or my pastor at church. Because I know I have nothing good to offer. I want to remind you what you already know. That the day will come when you will have to give an account before the holy God of heaven and earth. And you might, in this moment, might be in the throes, in the thick of your career. might be full of great health and strength. But that will all fade over time. After a while, you'll begin to notice that you can't quite do what you used to be able to do. And then eventually the day will come when you close your eyes for a final time and breathe your last breath. 
And then standing before God, what will you say? The way of faith takes us to the one who brings righteousness down from heaven. The Son of God, Jesus Christ, brings it to us and He puts it in our mouth and in your heart. And by resting and trusting upon Him alone, you will be received into the arms of the everlasting God. It's nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. Do you trust and rest upon Jesus Christ and Him alone for your salvation? My friends, that is the only way of righteousness that brings you before God and to be welcomed by Him. That is the only way of salvation. Believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. Let's pray. O God in heaven, how much do you love us that you would send your only begotten Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Help us to see the Savior and to believe upon him that we may be saved and know life before you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.